All right, Marky. Our next guest is owner of Public Espresso and Coffee All Day Cafe, Sam Scarcello. Sam, how are you? I got great. it out. I'm great. Nice job. How are you? <laughs> great. So Sam comes. He's got a new uh, business on Seneca Street, Mark. Did that, Did you ever think those words are going to come out of your mouth? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee, brunch, and pastries. What made you come? We, we've been at the Hotel Lafayette for a while. Yep. What made Public Espresso come to Seneca Street? Well, we've been uh, at the farmer's market in Cas Park right around the block from where our new storefront is. We've been doing that for about five years. And um, I, myself, and my business partner, James, were both from South Buffalo originally. So um, at some point, it all just kind of lined up and made sense for Seneca Street in South Buffalo to be our next location. Take us back to the beginning when you're a young guy from South Buffalo. At what point do you think coffee? I never thought coffee, to be you honest with you. Coffee? No, no. Um, it really sort of, uh, I didn't drink it through college. It didn't, it wasn't like my vice in college or anything like that. It really kind of became a thing um, much later in life when uh, James started roasting coffee as a hobby. And um, we just sort of turned it from hobby into passion into business, basically. So it, it never was a, a factor in my life growing up. Yeah, I remember uh, one Christmas, I think you were just in the garage and you're like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to make you guys some coffee. Yeah, I just I showed up with some roasted coffee and was just like, everybody has to drink this now. <laughs> I've been finding that out lately is guys that, you know, really went after it in college or whatever. They're now all addicted to coffee. <laughs> Have you noticed that, that there's a little bit of a trend going on in America where I would say, I don't know, what do you want to say? Tw let's say 27 to 40. I know that's huge, but. <laughs> It seems like 27 to 40 is big in the coffee right now. I think so. I mean, I think I think it's craft beverage across the board. I mean, it's it's beer, it's spirits, it's coffee. There's been like a real sort of generational shift on the quality and those types of things and an interest in how they're all produced and everything. So I I mean, I I notice it across the board with people. I've been to the the location, you know, at the Hotel Lafayette and I've been at the Seneca Street. You guys got a consistent product. I'm like a coffee snob now. It's it's unbelievable, but it's consistent. I think that's what coffee drinkers want, don't they? That's what they want. Yeah, I mean, it's the land of the double-double, in my opinion. So, you know, you, if you're going to do something different, you got to make sure that it's the same every single time. So, you know, we're going up against major corporations who have instilled sort of their product and their brand in the American psyche. So, you know, if you want to do something different, you got to make sure that you do it consistently for people. What was like your first, um, you know, pitfall of the the markets? Because it, it had to be challenging to get into starting a, just a pop up. Yeah. Shop. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it was just figuring out, you know, at, when we started, we had a very sort of strict sense of what we wanted to serve. And that was black coffee with no cream and no sugar. We wanted to be those kind of guys. Um, and so understanding that, you know, even though, you know, we thought that highly of ourselves or our coffee, you know, not everybody cares. Nobody gives a shit necessarily. So it was sort of having that reconciliation of um, we want to serve this product, but we also want to get it to as many people as possible and get people on board with it. So we have to meet people halfway sometimes. And, you know, slowly you can show to show them what you're doing, but you have to you have to let them show you how they sort of consume or enjoy products at the same time. So um, figuring out that balance and understanding that, you know, we're not going to be 100% correct all the time was uh, kind of a good learning experience for us, I would say. We talk to a lot of guests that turn a lot of their hobbies into uh, 
a business. Mm-hmm. Is is that what happened here? It is. I mean, and I think we noticed it with a lot of people, particularly at the time frame that we were doing it, is the excitement and the energy around being in Buffalo at a specific time, the time that we're experiencing now where everybody's talking about a renaissance. I think um, it's infectious and people, you know, just decided like, oh, I see some so-and-so doing this. You know, I have an interest in it and I think I put a unique spin on it. I think I'm going to give it a shot. So uh, we've noticed it with just friends, family, all sorts of people who are taking chances that I don't think they would have taken 10 years ago because there wasn't that same sort of excitement happening in the city. Well, I, I heard an interesting story about you. You're very creative. You had a books for startup cash. Is this where is this in the coffee uh, timeline here? This was kind we? of this. This is the very beginning before coffee even sort of became a bit of a hobby. So this was fueled by coffee. Um, we needed a lot of coffee to make this happen. So <laughs> what we would do is we would travel to Ithaca and the Buffalo Library sales, and we would fill up trucks with uh, used books and what you could do on the last days of these sales you could fill a grocery bag for uh 10 cents or a dollar or books were 10 cents a piece basically so you could get thousands of books you know marked down severely and this was before um media mail pricing for shipping and everything really sort of dropped and amazon started gouging lots of things so we would sell our books through amazon and we had pricing software that would help us kind of compete and continually adjust our pricing so that we were listed at the top of the Amazon sales for used books, basically. Um, And we used that to generate cash to, you know, initially it was just um, surplus cash to just have around, but then it turned into the fuel for the coffee business. We would buy new equipment, buy green coffee beans with the money that we were generating from the Amazon book sales, basically. So um, we had a pretty uh, significant operation running out of our basement. We called our storefront on Amazon Basement Book Buys. Um, and we had shelves and alphabetical organization. I like your style. Thank I you. Really <laughs> like your style. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forget hustle. We got a brain here. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So go back to that like market mentality. Was it uh, getting your feet on the ground? Was it like uh, all social media? Like where we are, what you're doing? We, you're you're yeah. basically a food truck. Yeah, right? yeah. It was. It was. This is where we're going to be this weekend. Come and find us if you're interested, kind of thing. Um, and that worked for a while, and it allowed us to open our first sort of storefront, which was just the lobby bar in the Hotel Lafayette. Um, and, you know, we, you know, bootstrapped it. We didn't have, like, a marketing budget or anything, so social media played very heavily into that, which was, you know, getting our message out there every single day and slowly building our following, basically. So um, that worked really, really well for us. But then, you know, it expanded into having pastry and a full day breakfast menu because our business was growing, but, um, and we were hiring more people, but we weren't necessarily able to support them in the ways that we wanted to. So, um, instead of wholesaling pastry from local bakeries, we decided to start bringing that stuff inside. And, you know, it's like launching a whole other business inside of a business while you're actively doing that. So, um, We've been really fortunate with the people that we've brought on who have helped us sort of cultivate and grow those programs and um, refine them. So, you know, we started big and sort of sort of honed it down. Now we're really focusing on sort of donuts in particular. Um, and it's been really great for us. Well, I think the staff is uh, they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. At Lafayette, I noticed that right away and I got 
you guys got me points because uh, you retweeted. Uh, I can't wait till they're in my neighborhood. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, you, and it got me points, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the family really loves Public Espresso and coffee. Definitely check them out. But do you say we got to open up, stop this pop up stuff? How does that go down? I mean, it was all chance. To be honest with you, we were at one of our pop ups. We were at a a Tuesday and Thursday uh, farmers market. Um, that wasn't particularly lucrative for us, but part of the reason why we, you know, we'll take any interview, we'll take any, any meeting that people sort of hit us up for is because that, you know, less than lucrative market for us, uh, spawned the Hotel Lafayette location. So somebody came in, they were looking to fill a retail space that they had, and it happened to be the lobby of the Hotel Lafayette. And they offered us a deal that we almost couldn't walk away from. It was rent-free for six months to see if we could make it work. Really? Yeah. I mean, they understood our business, which was huge. And they knew, you know, we were trying to turn it from a, you know, here's where we are on this day to a a seven-day-a-week brick-and-mortar sort of thing. And they appreciated the quality of product that we were doing and the level of service that we were hoping to provide. And they really sort of lent us a hand and said, give it a try for six months. If it doesn't work out, we'll both sort of shake hands and walk away from it but if it does work out here's what it'll be and um after two months we knew that it was going to be like it was going to work out and we were you know ready to sign for like an official lease and everything and at that point we kind of just said you know we love this lobby bar it's super cool um but you know our aspirations are higher than this if the the corner of the hotel were ever to open up we'd love first right of refusal and that was kind of the stipulation of the agreement and both parties agreed to that. And, um, that's kind of, you know, what we operated on for about an hour and a half or a year and a half, excuse me, in the lobby there. So and then you were like, man, this stuff's addictive yeah. <laughs> and it's legal. Yeah. Like yeah. we're doing exactly. It. <laughs> we're selling one of the few like legal addictive, you know, drugs or something like that. So it's um, the most addictive drug that I've ever done. People start to shake if you don't get your Joe. Yeah. It's, you got a good little both, business yeah. here, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, on the business side, like, mm-hmm. w- was there somebody that like came up and was like, "This is how businesses run," or were you guys just learning as it went? I mean, we're still learning as we go, but you know, we lean pretty heavily on the Small Business Association at the uh, at Buffalo State. They were a huge resource for us, um, and it's free. I mean, they offer really? yeah, they'll they offer so many resources and will give you connections and point you in the right direction for questions that you've got. Um, and, you know, we, we have them to thank for a lot of sort of the early road bumps that we hit. Um, they really kind of steered us in the right direction. Um, and then just I am always grateful for the, the farmer's market experience that we had. We grew up, I say, with a lot of businesses like Bread Hive. Um, we were all just kind of finding our footing and figuring out what our, our niche was and who our market was and everything. So, um having those other small business owners alongside us. So, you know, seeing them every Saturday and just saying like, oh, how was business this week? Or what are you guys doing for Christmas? You know, what markets did you sign up for? And really kind of learning from each other and leaning on each other was a huge asset, you know, for people that, you know, we've never run a restaurant before. We never ran a cafe before. We, I had some, you know, hospitality experience and everything, but never running and managing a full system and managing employees. So um, figuring out those things as we go, has been, you know, probably the biggest hurdle, but oh, yeah. also also the most rewarding when things start to slip into place and you see um, the fruits of that labor. Now, it seems to me downtown, <clears throat> excuse me, you got the market corner down there. 
Yeah. There's really nothing like you guys down there. Is that why you you started to look towards South Buffalo? Yeah, yeah. Kind I of mean, the same thing. downtown we, you know, we've had that corner to ourselves, that sort of pocket of the city to ourselves, you know, and particularly adding breakfast and lunch like the same kind of deal particularly on the weekends like mm -hmm. downtown Buffalo is a pretty quiet area and there's so many hotels popping up and, you know, people looking for those types of services and amenities. Um and we've really been fortunate to kind of capitalize on that. And um, growing up in South Buffalo, I know that, you know, a lot of people are looking for the same types of things in this part of town, too. Um, we have, you know, obviously great businesses here and institutions that have been operating for a really long time. But I think, you know, people are looking for a little bit of fresh blood at the same time. Well, anything that isn't a bar. I mean, yeah, come I on. mean, we always say, you know, you're going to have a kid. I have a, a yeah. kid. I wouldn't let her walk down the street to do much anything. You know, it's tough to There's be nowhere like, to What's go. Gonna, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, doing this kind of stuff, you know, it, it might take a, a little hit. And we were saying, like, you know, somebody needs to, you know, step up and just do these kinds of things. Right. We got of. we got the question a lot of times of, like, do you think South Buffalo is ready for a business like this? And I was like, the only way we're going to find out is if somebody eventually tries. And it's been, you know a lot of the same for for a long time and i mean i remember you know being a kid and walking up to riley's or convenient yeah, um, yeah. and getting our things but there's really not those little things there for for kids to walk to anymore no um and james has memories of going to the dnk where our storefront is now so yeah uh, he used to shop there as a kid so you know people say you know are you ready for this and it's like well the neighborhood's going to decide one way or the other for us and you know so far we've been really you know blown away by the support that we've gotten yeah and i mean you guys always do nice things for the kids too right yeah yeah and we know we yeah. knew that you know downtown is you know weekdays it's workforce oriented weekends it's you know people that don't get downtown during the weekday um but south buffalo you know we knew we were coming into a neighborhood with families and you know all of that kind of stuff so it's going to be a different vibe so we're not going to force kind of our experience on a neighborhood we're going to let the neighborhood shape what we are and that's what coffee shops are all about at the end of the day it's a you know we called ourselves public because we based it off the term public houses which is where you know communities gathered at the end of the day to talk share news you know commiserate with friends and everything so that's what we want our cafes to be is a place for neighborhoods to to gather that's great yeah well you can find them seneca and casanova you run right into them public espresso and they're also at Hotel Lafayette, I had the little taste of avocado toast with the paprika today. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> the paprika. Yeah, and uh, the Vlad with the uh, the sausage. I went with the sausage and a cup of coffee, nice. regular cup of coffee. It, well, I think what you guys like even uh, did well right off the bat was branding. You know, the business. I thought that was strong. Yeah, but. How did that come in with the 19 ideas? My, you know, support through 19 ideas has been has been enormous. So we we put our our brand together really quickly because we had a deadline of like our first farmers market and we like we got to show up with a name and a logo. So, you know, we were happy with our name and our logo was cool. It was based on a piece of sort of uh um Soviet Union art, some propaganda that we found um that we really thought was cool. So, we um use that as the basis but we really didn't refine it in any way um so we worked with uh block club which is another uh, branding and design agency they helped us refine our brand a couple of years ago and then um, when i started at 19 ideas you know we sort of brought them on as our uh, strategic partner to help us grow 
and expand our voice and our tone um, as our business was growing. So um, I've been learning a lot just from being there. Um, and I've also been able to sort of bring in some of my social media knowledge and expertise that I've been sort of cultivating by running our, our public accounts. So it's been a really nice symbiotic relationship, I would say. Social media is a real slippery slope. Mm-hmm. We, we've only run into one freak. Yeah. With, <laughs> with uh, sending us information. I, I don't even know. We don't know who or what it was. Everything was like spot on. And we're Everything like, this is not the kind of show that we're in. <laughs> Sam, I'm not kidding you. Uh-huh. We, we had to burn, burn, burn this account. I mean, they, thank God they were shut down. Yeah. I mean, from trades to local politics to what was it? Some other thing, Marky. I don't know, but social media is weird where I don't trust anybody that I don't know who it is. <laughs> if I don't know if, okay, say you could change your name up, but it's your picture. Right. That's fine. Sure. You want to be cute, have a different name. That's fine. But I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. It's scary almost. It is, it? for sure. I mean, um, we've been fortunate. I mean, I, I stepped in it once um, in a way that uh, caused me some grief and a little bit of anxiety and, you know, had to do some backpedaling and all that kind of stuff. And it's super scary. I mean, people take something and in context or not, it can spiral out really quickly without, you know, you, you have no control or say over how the conversation happens or is perceived or anything. So... It's just about, you know, being so sure that what you're saying, what you're posting is, you know, not going to be misconstrued in any way. Believe me, I've had my finger over the publish button like <laughs> yeah. almost 34 times now. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, should I do should it? I? Yeah. <laughs> Who is going to be pissed about this? But we don't get any reaction. That's our problem. Yeah. You're going to have to teach us how to get, you know, reactions out of people. We can, we we can talk about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I got a couple ways, but I don't think we want to go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, we don't want to be controversial. And, yeah. then, and then people wonder why <laughs> we're being so nice to everybody all the time. Yeah. I'm like, well, we're not, we're not bad guys. I mean, no. that, I'm trying to be a nicer person. That strategy can certainly work too. Nice, nice works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. Well, you talk about working with other people places a lot a lot of businesses it's like uh gary's old time tavern versus cheers you know yeah there's always that you seem to kind of like hey let's let bygones be bygones and uh work together you got a thing with bread bread high bagels and i've been to their shop they're great yeah fantastic yeah and i mean every time a new coffee shop opens up people are just like oh well what do you think of them and i'm just like i love the idea of more coffee shops more you know individually owned coffee shops, community shops, like they could open right next to us and I would be thrilled to have it. I just think the more of that, the better, like the economy can support it. You know, if you run a good business and people appreciate your product, like they're going to go there no matter what. And it doesn't matter if I want them to come to mine, you know, people choose for different reasons. I go to different coffee shops all the time because I get different things out of them or I'm looking for something on a different day. So, um, I, I don't, subscribe to the to the like it's only us kind of mentality i think there's room for everybody and um if your business if you pin your business is failing on somebody else's then there's something intrinsically wrong i think with your business at the end of the day now is it you know we really don't want to get into the whole bread thing and i'm not confident in the product or is it these guys are just so good and they're buddies of mine let's 
let's get together. Yeah, I mean, our our opinion from or our take on things from from jump has been if we can't do it better ourselves, we'll find somebody who does it better. Um, and Bread Hive's bread and bagels are just we love it. Their mm-hmm. product is so good, and we've been able to work out a relationship with their wholesale team to get you know the product that we want that supports our menu. Um, and you know, not without growing pains along the way. You know, our business has grown as their business has grown, and you know, we've sort of figured things out. You know, whether you know you're delivering this week or we're going to come pick it up and that kind of stuff. But those are the sacrifices that you make when you you know believe in a product and you believe in you know what it means to your business and your customers. So our customers appreciate that level of quality and that detail, and we're happy to provide it because it means that much. What's it like to bring your brand back to South Buffalo? Cause it's now turning into a brand. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, two, two makes it a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's wild. My sister moved back to South Buffalo a couple of years ago. My parents are still living here. I just moved back, um, back in April. So, um, it's, it's special to kind of have a shop a couple blocks from where I grew up and, to see it so warmly received by neighborhoods, friends, people that I, I've seen throughout the years, people I haven't seen in several years, friends of my parents who come in and just to just to congratulate and check it out. Um, it's been it's been pretty wild. What do we call in that building? Uh, Shays Seneca is the, Shays Seneca. Yeah, okay. Yep. People call it the Sky Room. The Sky Room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah names all well, over. Let's stick with Shays Seneca. Shays Seneca. Yeah. Yeah. We were in there once. We heard they had cheap shot glasses when we were running the bar. <laughs> oh, so we, God. This is, <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah. So we this we meet this guy at the door. He's like, God, you guys are with the shot glasses, huh? We're like, yeah. So he takes us back in uh, what is now, I would think. Probably uh, your whatever. I think it's your joint. Yeah. Yeah. It was behind there. And the, the ceilings were beautiful with art. He's like, yeah, we play. uh Street hockey in here. Yeah, they're playing street hockey in there. <laughs> Back well, when it was like still abandoned, de- basically. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we we keep getting the tour. You know, <clears throat> this guy wants to give us like twenty thousand shot glasses for like two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> so we're we're you know we're getting the tour, and, and Mark's kind of getting upset. He's like, "Why is all this stuff just being stored there?" And it was like dollar store, yeah, like pinwheels and shit. It's yeah, the building was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, didn't you keep going? Yeah, we got a lot of styrofoam over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> the guy was I, the, I. I wanted to punch the guy in the face. Whatever. whatever We're like it was. sell this place. He's like, yeah, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, we like to play for hockey. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. there's nowhere else to do that. I'm a pretty good goalie. Like, yeah, yeah, he was saying that. Go to DJ Spinners. Yeah. So Run then we, like the we got we got the shot glasses and they were little medicine shot glasses. <laughs> so then everyone's like, oh yeah, you guys are serving medicine shot glasses. That's where we got them from. <laughs> but tell us, uh, I was in there today. I was taking pictures. People wanted to know what the hell I was up to. <laughs> and uh, tell us about the decor of the new shop on Seneca Street. Yeah. Um, so it started with the floor, really. Um, that floor was originally intended for a, a space that we um, leased years ago. And we, we bought the floor tile um, and it was sitting on a pallet for about three and a half years. And when that first place fell through, we were just like, well, we'll have it, you know, for future, you know, something will come along. And when Seneca Street came along, the the storefront, the square footage was near identical to what we originally purchased. So uh, we were able to put that floor down. And then, you know, the more we thought about it, we were just really like, man, you know, we have a black bar at 
Lafayette, it would be really cool to do something wild on this black and white tiled floor at Seneca Street. So we found a manufacturer of a, a Corian tile that they would do uh, in electric yellow. And we decided to do a full yellow bar on this uh, black and white tiled floor. Um, and it just kind of built from there. Every single time we found a new piece of furniture that had sort of a, a crazy gem tone color, we were just like, let's let's get it and let's put it in the space and see what happens. And by some stroke of luck, they all sort of melded together into something that I think is a really cool sort of uh, different style of space than you're used to seeing, basically. So What do they say, Marky? It pops. Yeah. <laughs> it pops in there. Yeah. Oh, and then you noticed, uh, who's the movie buff? You? That'd be me, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Aliens. You know, that's weird. Why is that uh, weird? Because mine's The Abyss. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. James Cameron? Yeah. Good stuff. But that's the only movie I like of his. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Not even Terminator 2? No. Wow. Ed Harris. I'm an Ed Harris guy. Okay. What do you got, Mark? Since we'll know. start like... a little movie here. I mean, my favorite movie is The Life Aquatic. <laughs> I always wanted to put, like, themes like... Uh, for my son, we're putting different sports figures of that name. I'm not going to say his name right now, but sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. So how does it come up with what movie do you pick? Well, um, I my one of my side hobbies is collecting those prints. Um, so um, the reason that we wanted to put him up in that space is because the Shea Seneca was formerly a movie theater. Right. And then we learned later on that the name of the theater was Publix. Which, really? Yeah, P U B L I X, um, which was kind of just a wow. crazy, yeah, um, coincidence there. So, um, because of the, all of that history, we wanted to put some of the prints up. And um, my thought was that, you know, I'll put these up. I might put the artist name, the edition number, and maybe some prices alongside them and see if people are interested in purchasing them. And then just rotate some of my collection through. Um, there's ones that I obviously would never sell, but. Um, there's a couple up there that I think if people appreciate them enough, I'd be willing to part with. So um, that's kind of been my thought. I, I appreciate the work that goes into those those prints. Yeah, like what um, what do you like more? Is Do you like when the movie's represented or do you like when it's just like some artist representation? I have uh, a couple stipulations. So I like when the movie title and the movie credits are on the print. There are some where yeah. you know, the title isn't there at all. There's no text or anything like that. And there's some where it's you know, really heavy sort of text tagline, that kind of stuff. And I really like when an artist incorporates the name in a unique way that it has the the movie credits because I've, I've always been obsessed with the, you know, directors, the writers, the actors, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, but then just artists that do crazy things with it. Um, I have a, a screen print in there that's a, a take on pop art that I just think is so fantastic and, and cool. Um, so interesting takes on it, you know, we picked ones for, for this shop that had big flourishes of color because that was kind of the, the theme of the shop. It went on a big white wall, so we really wanted all the prints to kind of stand out in their own way. Um, so I don't know. That's kind of been my, my reason for picking what I picked. I said to the wife today, you know, I give these guys credit because you guys are using colors that you've never seen, in you know, in this neighborhood. Everything yeah. is just, you know, traditional fucking green and yellow <laughs> or whatever. But, I mean, it, it looks... It looks nice in there. I, I will say that that it 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 remind you you're not dreary. You know what I mean. You don't think that you're in this uh, 
What am I trying to say? Everything's not a neutral color. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. Seriously, the whole world yeah, is neutral. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, they're going to sell everything. Everything's painted like, I'm going to sell this thing tomorrow. Right. And I just can't piss anybody off. <laughs> so what do we have? A theme? So you're going to change these movie posters a lot? Yeah, that's just another reason to walk in there. Yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah, idea. Yeah. I mean, it might. they might start informing the menu, drink menus in some way, um, but... That, what's on that wall is only about 20% of my current collection. So my goal is to kind of rotate things out seasonally, maybe pop one up there and see if people notice and ask Calling about it. Calling all nerds. Yeah. Calling <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. You know, I'm hoping that it kind of, you know. I mean, that's what you want. You want people yeah. to stick around. Like, it's not like you're going to throw a magic club in there, but I'd show up. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you never know. You never know. There's a lot of hours in the day. So. You should get a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Table to table. But go on. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're uh, right next door to one of our big sponsors, a uh, Bottle Rocket. So yeah. it's kind of cool having like actually cool things around you when you can share things and the things you're gonna get are tacos and beers. Yeah. Like, I mean, is... it's we feed off of each other all day long, and you know we give them breakfast and coffee. We pop over for tacos for lunch, and then finish our day at Bottle Rocket, and it's just kind of like a match made in heaven. But yeah, so so you're if you're a big movie guy. I mean, Jim and I love Star Wars. Uh-huh. I don't know how, how how big you are into Star Wars. I'm a fan. Yeah, you know, I'm out of the new ones. A right? casual fan. The new ones. Um, I appreciate them for what they are, but um, I haven't yeah. I haven't walked away from any of them and felt like I need to rewatch that immediately. I mean, J.J. Abrams just ruined it. I hate it. Yeah, you know, who's people... the bad guy? That's a great question. There is no fucking bad. There guy really anymore. isn't. Yeah, I that's the problem with movies I have. There's not one bad guy, good guy anymore. Yeah, it's bad guy, bad guy. And then all of a sudden he's a good guy. Fucking J.J. Abrams. He dies a good (laughs) guy. He does. (laughs) Nobody can just die a bad guy anymore. Everybody's got to die a good guy. Mm -hmm. Because fucking Kylo Ren, he'll die a good guy. Got to have that redemption arc. Yeah. Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere you look. Well, they're. Teasing Palpatine, right in this final trailer, Come he's on. back apparently. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> the guy's making the circuit. He, I mean, it, it's uh, they screwed it up. I, I don't know. I just hope one day they don't redo it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do it to everything else. Fucking Spider Man. I, I don't even know what's the real Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Is there three or one or yeah, what? I I, I, yeah. What's something you're looking forward to coming out? I'm looking forward to. Black Christmas at the holiday. I love a, a Christmas themed slasher. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, there's a crazy Nicole Brown Simpson movie coming out. Oh yeah. Crazy. Like the theory that he didn't do it. Crazy. Hmm. So you know you're I'm, like, you're yeah. into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into it right away. Yeah. So Produ- produced by I I don't think it's by him, but oh. <laughs> um I don't know. I I seen it today and it's very controversial. But I'm a big biopic guy. Yeah. I like a good biopic. Okay. And uh, I hear a Sam Cooke biopic might be coming out, a Wilson Pickett. I'm, I'm into those kind of movies. Okay. Um, But I'm also into, you know, some vintage, like I, the Ghostbusters might yeah. come back. Yeah. Uh, I'm disappointed in the, the new Ghostbusters movie. It was terrible. You didn't even see it, did you? I, I, I did see it. I... I... Avoided all the criticism, but um, it was just a bad movie. It was a bad movie at the end of the day because like, everyone in it was talented. Yeah, I from mean, top to bottom, the pieces were all there, but oh. um, didn't add anything new to it. Again, no villain until the very end yeah. of the movie. It was like the that guy just came out of nowhere and like, oh, 
he's the villain because we needed a bad guy. It's like, I'll, I'll tell you how to redo it, and they are, but the way to do it is, you know, ghosts take over New York City, and they find Winston. He's a drunk. They get him back into shape. Harold Ramis is a, is obviously passed away. You get these guys together, and you get Rick Moranis out of retirement, Marky. <laughs> That's the key to everything now. Yeah. Get Rick Moranis out of retirement. <laughs> yeah, you're almost at your, your question that I really like is who would you like to see in a biopic? Yeah. What's your You know me, Mark. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I got to think about that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Living or dead? I mean, I guess they got to be. A bio, just a biopic, man. A biopic. Yeah. I'm looking for a Belushi one. There's a, there's a big uh, anniversary coming up. But I've al- always thought that the, the first two seasons – of Saturday Night Live, there should be a biopic. They tried to do one that on Netflix, be but I, I think there should be, because there was a lot of crazy shit that went on um, if you base it off the book Live from New York. Who would you have play Belushi? Uh, there was a guy, I forget his name, he's Josh something. He was supposed to play uh, Kinnison in the, the Kinnison biopic that never got off the ground. Hmm. Uh, I forget his, his last Josh name. Josh Gad? Yeah, maybe that's his name. Yeah. That, would be a nice, that would be all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's very good. I mean, Chris Farley biopic, I don't know. Yeah. That'd be impossible. Yeah, I mean, they don't work when it's a larger-than-life yeah. person, yeah. like personality. I'd like, like to see a Kiss biopic, though. Hmm. A lot of crazy shit went on. I didn't think I was going to like a lot of the music ones. I didn't see the Elton John one, but. More of a musical, and I kind of liked it that it was different. I thought the Queen one was terrible. Like, they left out a lot of stuff they should have put in there yeah i can't even say it on this podcast and it has to do with midgets and uh plates <laughs> <laughs> i'll just say it <laughs> freddie mercury used to have parties where he would have midgets running around or little people whatever <laughs> with uh with cocaine on their on their head oh and they'd run around <laughs> like this was like he was legendary known for this right. at his parties. <laughs> and it gets left out of the movie. Like, it was like a big thing. A big deal. Yeah. yeah. One of his but I didn't signatures. like that movie either. I, I, yeah. I heard people raving about it. And then I saw a, a brief scene on Twitter after the film had won Best Editing at the Oscars. And this scene was maybe the worst edited thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And people were just going off on this scene in the movie. It was when they meet their like first manager or something along those lines, and people were just like, "How did this movie win best editing?" Well, plus it was a karaoke movie, like yeah. he lip synced. Right. I just didn't know why they went after his mouth so much. He looked right. enough like him to not have your you mouth. You didn't have all... to do that. Those teeth. No. Yeah, it just yeah. it went from yeah biopic to caricature. Well, and then I heard a little scuttlebutt. You guys are now working on your third shop of public. We uh, are. Yeah. In Amherst? In Amherst, yeah, the former uh, Northtown Plaza, wow, good which for you. they've uh, renamed Station 12. Yeah. Is there ever a concern about expanding too fast in businesses, you think? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're insane, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out so far. We've somehow managed to um, to juggle it, juggle it all, and we've been fortunate to, you know, with the Seneca team to bring a group of people on that are really passionate about, you know, what we're trying to do with our business. Um, uh, we got everybody on board and they're, they're really supportive and have been helpful as we can sort of figure it out, you know, so we're having meetings in our second shop. That's only a couple of weeks old about our third shop now, which just feels crazy. Um, 
Well, make sure you but, take a deep breath sometimes. Yeah, yeah. The, those those happen for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting nonetheless. Well, you'll be in three different markets. Downtown, you got the lawyers. South Buffalo, you got, you know, the real people. And <laughs> you got to kick Dirty Ray out sometimes. <laughs> and then you got Amherst. Is, is that intentional? Yes and no. I mean, um, the way our, our shops have kind of evolved a little bit is, you know, we couldn't put one of them on every corner the way that like a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons is. Just given the level of service that we do, the the type of it's a, it's a bit of a destination. So we don't want to kind of cannibalize our markets too much. So we've tried to pick spaces where, you know, people have expressed interest. We won't sort of step on our toes um, of the other shops that we have. And, you know, we can push a little bit further out and see, you know, can we connect with an audience in a new in a new area, basically. So that's kind of been our strategy a little bit. I haven't I can't say we put, you know, hours of thought into it, but it's been, you know, kind of the the thing that's guided us a little bit. Do you still like focus on the pop ups and the markets and everything, too? We do them uh, not as frequently, not as heavy as we used to hit them, but we have kind of our. Our favorite events that we do, our favorite, you know, farmers markets that we do, we're still doing the South Buffalo Farmers Market. I'd like to see that casino functioning in some way. I think, yeah, lots I of people are coming. feeling that. Yeah, I mean, just in the same sense that you know, people have been saying, I'd love to see you know Seneca and Abbott activated again. I think what's really cool and what really drew us to the Seneca Street project was that there are next to no naysayers. Everybody's on the same page of like, we want to see these storefronts reactivated we want to see the streetscapes you know more pedestrian friendly we want to see the park active every single day and the casino used the way it used to be used um everybody's got that mentality and really wants to see south buffalo thriving in the way that it should be and can be well we're going to be breaking our own rules soon (laughs) gonna have we're gonna have the councilman up we're gonna have a good chat with him are you yeah Yeah, we're not gonna yeah he's a friend of ours he's great Yeah. yeah 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 i think we need a little more lighting Cause I'm always over at the rink. I'm a crazy hockey. Player, oh yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, you know, and, and I don't know who's supposed to fix roads and all that shit. I think uh, if guys put good businesses out there and stick their neck out for store with opening storefronts, mm-hmm. I think it's the city's obligation to us as taxpayers and business owners that you give us a comfortable comfortable ground around us. Yeah. Good streets. Yeah. Good parking. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I, I think part of the thing that happens in Buffalo is uh, when you ask or call about those things, people take it personal. Yeah. So I, that would be my only advice to you coming back into the old neighborhood. Yeah. And not not to the councilman, uh, just in general. Sure. Like, I, I like to see people work together. I We always talk about uh, uh, starting a social club. And that's something that I'd like to see someone. We we don't have time for it. Right. But I'd no, like we're to just see, not organized. Yeah. <laughs> we're not smart people. We'd like to see everybody get together and for the good of the land, kind yeah. of work together and fix the problems that uh, could be fixed very easily, I think. I think, yeah. I mean, and it's a, a, a two-way street, too. You know, you can't let your storefront fall into disrepair and then expect, you know, yeah. somebody to come take care of that stuff for you. you got to maintain your, sure. your, maintain your stuff and... You know, the rest will follow. I think. You know, how, how are the locals reacting so far to public on Sonica? It's been it's been awesome. I mean, 
people were knocking on the door, you know, weeks before we opened, just saying yeah. they were excited, peeking their heads in and saying, you know, they couldn't wait for us and everything. And it's been like that ever since, too. So um, we've been incredibly fortunate, I would say. Okay. So you can buy coffee grounds in the store, right? Yep. Yeah. You can buy those. Mm-hmm. All right. Go, go through how you'd want to make a good cup of coffee. I'm terrible at making coffee. Okay. All right. Give it to me straight. You mean, you're, you're, you're talking like home brewing, that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, just like anything that would make your coffee better at home. All right. Well, I mean, it's always good to start with whole bean, you know, fresh roasted whole bean coffee. Um, there's misconception about how you store coffee. So a lot of people think, you know, I put it in the freezer, or I put it in the fridge to keep it fresh. And that actually can harm the coffee by creating condensation and moisture that goes in and out of the coffee beans. Uh-huh. Um, so... Keeping it airtight, room temperature, out of sunlight is probably your best bet. And grinding as you brew is probably the, the first major point. So What do you mean by that? Wait, grind. If you, if you can, if you have a coffee grinder at home, um, you should only grind the coffee that you're going to use. You should buy whole bean coffee and then grind it as needed instead of um, grinding, having ground coffee in a bag. Um, the tiny particle size means the coffee is giving off, it's oxidizing the entire time that it's sitting there. And when it's whole bean, that process takes a lot longer because the surface area is much smaller than if the coffee is ground and they're little particles. Um, so all of the good stuff that the coffee's holding on to is escaping much quicker when it's ground. So um, whole bean, grind as you brew. And you know, I, at home for, for ease and convenience, I love making a French press because you're just dumping coffee into a vessel, pouring hot water over it, and then letting time do its thing. Um, so how much? Uh, so for a French press, yeah. how much coffee would you put in there? Uh, or how many? Be- how many? How much beans? A 32 ounce French press, I would put like 40 to 48 grams of coffee, depending on the depending on the bean, the type of coffee that you're going for. Put that in cups. Was there is there a measure? Of that? <laughs> I've been doing it by by grams. gram by I've been doing it by weight for so long that I I don't know if I could give you a. Um, I mean, our rule of thumb is probably like two heaping uh, tablespoons. Okay. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, French press is great. Pour over if I have a little bit more time, I'll do it that way, which is the manual way of doing a drip coffee. Um, I prefer kind of the the hand poured ways versus uh, getting machines involved. Oh, yeah. Do you guys do any like gift packages to do this stuff at home? We have in the past. um, but. Christmas coming up, we probably should think about that. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so good maybe thing you have me. Good thing. <laughs> yeah. It's good for the family. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so you may have those type of things. Potentially, yeah, yeah. If I we think can... you should just write a book, just a short book that how do you make how to make coffee? Because I have no fucking clue. I'm the, the worst. Yeah. It's it's all about. I mean, the thing with it, and it, you called yourself a coffee snob, and I'm I, getting there. What I here's here's the deal. What I've learned about coffee snobs is that you can be a coffee snob and own a Keurig, or yeah. you can be a coffee snob and you've plumbed an espresso machine into your kitchen counter, and that's the only way you'll drink coffee. So the spectrum of coffee snob is. I'm in the middle. It's it's everything. So you know, we call ourselves coffee nerds because we don't want to, you know. Um, we don't want to turn people away necessarily, but um, coffee is a personal thing. People enjoy it the way they enjoy it. You know, um, that was one of the first lessons we learned when we were like, we're only going to serve black coffee. It's like, no, people like cream. They like sugar. Yeah. We have, you know, five alternative dairy options in our shops now because that's the way people drink their coffee. 
Um, so while I make my coffee that way and those are my recommendations, it's really about fine-tuning your personal preference, how much coffee you put in there, how long you let it brew. Maybe you like it a little acidic or a little bitter, so you let the hot water sit there for a little longer than the traditional you know, a couple of minutes or whatever. So, you know, it's all about what you, what you appreciate, how much you doctor it after you brew it. You know, you put cream, you put sugar in it, or do you put honey in it? Cause that's going to be a little bit sweeter. Well, Is what it, about, we got a lot of drunks that listen. What about putting booze in your coffee? Putting booze. Oh, we, well, yeah, you guys we have make your a, own. Yeah. Fantastic coffee liqueur with Lockhouse Distillery. Oh, um, nice. We roast fresh coffee, grind it, and they immediately uh, put it into their stills and uh, steep it in their, uh, liqueur so uh, we make a, a really awesome coffee liqueur that goes great with coffee baileys all that kind of good stuff what do you think of the grind you ever have that what's that it's uh it's rum it's oh yeah coffee rum yeah yeah check that out i mean yeah i mean what's... he's got his own <laughs> coffee liquor jim <laughs> it's kind of like that i think <laughs> Check I'll, that out. I'll check it out. I mean, well, he likes to share. You yeah, know? he's sharing. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do my market research. <laughs> how did you? How did that? You guys get together doing that project? Uh, farmers markets. Really? Yeah, they were they were getting started at the same time that we were. Um, they were doing the thing where they were opening their doors with you know a limited number of bottles and line you know out to the parking lot and selling out in an hour and a half or whatever. So. After they, you know, were able to ramp up their production, they started hitting events, um, and we found ourselves at tables next to each other at one of our farmers markets, and just struck up a conversation. And they were looking. I mean, the reason they wanted to do a coffee liqueur is because um, at the same time, Four Loco was getting banned, and all of the um, beverages with artificial caffeine in them were getting banned. And the the way to skirt those laws was to introduce the caffeine naturally which is you know adding coffee to it you could do it that way so there's a, a market particularly in the new york city brunch scene for um getting those beverages on menus again because they made a lot of money that way um so they started exploring and their uh their head distiller Corey. i mean he's just so talented and we you know it was a super collaborative project and uh we you know taste tested multiple batches and gave notes and they heard us and we heard them and really came to this really awesome uh, middle ground on, on the product and both ended up really happy with it. And it's been a, I think a, a great product for their, for their lineup at the end of the day. So it is great. Yeah. What about your brunch? You, you had a brunch. Great. Oh, well I got, we got a theory here. Mm -hmm. not, not so much. We a little bit more me um, is brunch getting clicky. Like everybody's, it used to be like, ah, you gotta go to that greasy spoon and get a, you know, a diner. Give me the number one. Now it seems like, and just hear me out on mm -hmm. this one. It used to be that you you went to church to compare clothing, <laughs> right? Then you went to Wegmans and did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now you do it at fucking brunch. <laughs> I swear to God, this is the new thing. Do you do you do you see? That this is like all of a sudden an important meal of the day. It's yeah. I mean, it's certainly very well, important. Sure there's an so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a an entire industry built on this now. Yeah, um, but it came out of nowhere. I felt. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is you know, um, restaurant design has changed in a way to encourage you know people to step up their game a little bit before leaving the house. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was a a good stretch of time I think where. Um, 
people stopped caring about their personal appearance a little bit. Um, going to things like dinner and breakfast and that kind of stuff was okay to, you know, throw on sweatpants and maybe not shower and that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I think people have started to care a little bit more. Maybe social media influenced that a little bit, but, um, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing at the end of the day. Um, so yeah. I'm not crazy. No, I don't think you're okay. crazy at all to to think so. <laughs> like, yeah, Make that sound bite. <laughs> yeah, um, but like it, th- this turns you into like a like a foodie. You get mentioned in a lot of like conversations when it's food. Yeah, do you guys? Uh, what? How? How do you guys keep up with the food trend? We try not to, you know, ride trends too hard because I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I want to answer this carefully, but I mean, you know, we have been compared to lots of different things. And um, at the end of the day, our goal is to provide good service and, you know, good quality food um, and tasty food. So, you know, our menu is maybe a little avocado heavy. We've got some dishes that, you know, Mm -hmm. feature avocado, and that's certainly a trendy item. And it's tough to figure out when something is, you know, a fad versus when it's a trend versus when it's just a staple. When people food. Plain old food. Yeah, Yeah, you know, what is it? Um, and I think it's more about what you do with that stuff. And, you know, are you, you know, serving a sandwich that's, you know, two feet tall because you're going to get people to take a picture of it and they're going to tell their friends about it? Or are you serving food that is good value for what people pay for it? It's served um, with a smile and, you know, people appreciate, you know, what you did and how you made their day a little bit better. You know, that's that's more where I'm going for, because at the end of the day, you know, we've watched other industries you know, build and collapse, you know, fast casual and um, fast food in particular is crumbling um, Mm. because they took away all of the components of service. You know, you can, you know, text your order and walk in and pick it up without ever interacting with a human. And those types of things, while scalable, you know, are eventually, you know, people are going to turn on that kind of stuff. Um, And if we are able to provide really great service um, with good products um, in comfortable spaces, People are always going to appreciate that stuff. So. I love dealing with people in a place like yours, but anytime they want to cut out me dealing with people at McDonald's, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't mind it. Yeah. Like, like I noticed today, like I told you, I'm a little nuts. No thumbs on the plates today. I noticed. Yeah. No thumbs on the plates. Yeah. So you... tell them, like, since the talk was watching, but... no <laughs> on the plates. They did That's a good, good job. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. It's yeah. important. If you, if I you mean... ever need, like, market researchers, too, yeah. we, we'll go and eat. Secret and... shoppers yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy in a skull cap is taking pictures in here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love Public Espresso, Public Espresso and Coffee, All Day Cafe, with Coffee, Brunch, and Pastries. Cacho Marky, Seneca Chez, and of course at the Hotel Lafayette. I don't know. What do you What do you think? Is are all those businesses in there for the long haul? You think over I, there? Yeah, I think absolutely. I, think so too. I mean, yeah. Um, part of what's really special is that uh, everybody was so on board with the project and um, super excited for each of the other businesses to to get open. And each time one of us opened, we were kind of the last to get open. Um, but each time one opened, the the swell of support from the you know surrounding businesses has been huge, and um, we're all kind of rooting for each other. And I think you know we've seen sort of the support there that um, you know we were all hoping that we would get. So yeah, it's oh, great. Yeah, check them out. Uh, try the Vlad, um, and tell them license to talk sent you. Sam Scarcello, 
You are now listening to talk. Thanks for stopping by, brother. Thanks for having me.